Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture lesson this morning, as we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, we're kind of still in the Gospel of Mark. We were in Mark chapter 6, and uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 35 to 44, gives a more brief uh, reading of the feeding of the 5,000. But we're going to kind of transition over from Mark into the Gospel of John today. And John chapter 6 verses 1 to 14 gives a little more detail about the feeding of the 5,000. And it's the same, same time frame. Uh, we're still following along in, the, in Christ's ministry. We're just kind of moving to John now for a little bit. So John chapter 6 verses 1 to 14. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him, because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But, he, but this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers, about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over, by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. It's the word of our Lord. In our scripture lesson this morning, we, we learned that the Jewish Passover feast was near. And this is really marking now, it's a, it's a key piece of information because it's marking the point of Jesus' ministry from his second year to his third and final year of ministry. And it also partially explains why there were so many people around, why there were large crowds, because they were all making the trip for the Passover observance. And as they pass through these villages, more and more people begin to follow. And Jesus looks around and, and sees this large crowd of people once again, and he sees, he realizes it's getting to be supper time once again. So he asks Philip where they can buy food for all these people. Well, why did he ask Philip this? Why not one of the other disciples? Why Philip? Well, Philip was probably in charge, with a little bit that we know about him, he was probably in charge of, of more of the logistical aspects of Jesus' ministry from an earthly perspective. 
we would probably call him like an administrative assistant today. He was a facts and figures kind of guy. You know, he was kind of figuring stuff out and, and keeping charge of, of those details like that. So Jesus asks him to figure it out. Now Jesus already knew the answer. He knew how he was going to feed these 5,000 people. But Jesus had a lesson to teach Philip that day. So Philip, no doubt, he's asked the question and he starts calculating, looking around. says, okay, there's about 5,000 men here. He, he runs some numbers. He did some calculation. And he says, uh, 200 denarii, which would be about eight months' wages. He said, that's what it would cost. And it was probably late in the day. As I said, it was close to supper time. And of course, eating in those days was not a simple task. You know, you just didn't open up the refrigerator or pull out some food and start eating, you know. They didn't have microwaves. You didn't throw something in the microwave. They didn't have the instant meals. They didn't have fast food restaurants. Eating was probably quite a chore to prepare a meal, at least a decent meal in those days. And if you remember from our scripture last week, the disciples and Jesus are tired, and they haven't eaten either. So Jesus tells his hungry and tired disciples to feed the crowd. How are we going to do this? Well, Judas was there, and he probably cringed. He heard Philip say, oh, 200 denarii. And, and Judas was kind of the money bag keeper. He was kind of the treasurer. He kept the money. And uh, from what we understand, he was reaching into the money, and he wanted to keep it for himself as well. So he probably cringed, saying, oh, this is going to wipe us out. Feeding 5,000 people, 5,000 men is the way it's recorded. And a lot of times uh, during censuses and, and biblical times, they only counted the men. They didn't count the women and children. So if you add women and children into this mix that would have been there, you could have maybe well over 20,000 people that are really being fed. That would pretty much wipe out all of their funds. And I'm sure that would do that to any of us. We couldn't feed 20,000 people. You know, we can barely feed ourselves. It seems like the cost of food has increased for us. But Jesus sends them out and says, go out there and see what food is available. See what we have. They find a boy who has five loaves of bread and two small fish. The bread is not really like ours, like we would consider a nice loaf of bread, you know, a French bread or Italian bread or something like that. It was more like a flat bread, um, probably, you know, the size of your palm, maybe four inches, maybe not quite this big. And they were just thin little loaves of barley, like a little barley loaf. And the fish that we consider, they probably weren't a nice big catfish or anything like that. They were probably something on the order of small sardines. And that's what they had. They had five of those loaves of bread and a couple of sardines, essentially. So Jesus looks at the food they have and he instructs the disciples to have the crowd sit down in the grass in groups of fifties and of hundreds so they can distribute the food in an orderly manner and make sure that everyone got something to eat. So Jesus takes the, the food, looks to heaven, gives thanks for the food, and then they distribute 
the food to everyone there. And the hunger of the crowd is completely satisfied. Everyone is filled. And after the meal is over, the disciples go back out and collect the leftovers, which were 12 baskets in all. What an amazing and wonderful story to demonstrate the power of God. He provides food for his followers. But this is more than just a nice, cute little story, as we've seen for the past month, month and a half of studying the gospel, of studying the life of Christ. As usual, there's a point to this story. And the the point that we're going to focus on is from Philip's aspect this morning. Now we know that, as I said, Philip was was one of the uh, apostles, one of the disciples, original 12 disciples of Christ. And he was a leader. By that uh, commissioning, he was a leader. And as I mentioned, he probably was like the administrative assistant in charge of some of the logistical aspects of Christ's ministry from an earthly perspective. And Jesus picked him to be one of the twelve. We know that Philip was a student of the Old Testament, and we know that he was a faithful man. Even though he sometimes let his logical thinking get in the way of his faith, which is what we see in our scripture this morning. The question that Jesus asked Philip was basically, how do you propose we feed all these people? How are we going to do it? As I said, Philip probably just starts jumping into some calculations and says, okay, if we've got five loaves of bread, you know, if we break one down and and split it up this way, I don't know. He starts calculating and trying to figure it out logistically. That's what he does. But every way he figures it, he says, it can't be done. It's going to cost about 200 denarii. We can't do that. It cannot be done. Now, you've got to remember that Philip was there at the wedding in Canaan whenever Jesus turned the water into wine. Philip had been with Christ along the way and saw the many miracles that he had done, the healings that he had performed. Instead of Philip saying and answering Christ's question, instead of him saying, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you will, Philip said, it can't be done. It cannot be done. This was really a true test for Philip to look into himself, look into his inner being, into his inner soul, and bring his faith to the forefront. No doubt he was a faithful follower. He was a faithful leader. He was a faithful man. But sometimes he got caught up in the worldly aspects of things, trying to figure this out from a worldly perspective. Philip didn't have all the answers. He said it couldn't be done. But he did know where to get the answers, that's for sure. And like Philip, we don't have the answers either to everything. As much as we try to figure things out, as much as we try to calculate things, we don't always know how things are going to turn out. And that's where our faith needs to kick in. We know that God will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. 
We shouldn't focus on material or earthly matters. Instead, we should be focusing on heavenly matters and glorifying God. Philip was focused on the earthly matter of how are we going to feed these people rather than focusing on the heavenly matter of letting the power of Christ, the power of God be shown to the crowd. And Philip was a leader, as I mentioned. An essential element of leadership is a sense of vision. And that is especially true for Christians. Philip was focused on earthly things and was overwhelmed at the task that Jesus gave him. The reality of the facts that were just bouncing around in his head said it cannot be done. No doubt, deep down in his heart, he he knew that Christ could do it. He saw the power of Christ. He knew Christ could do it. But his head was saying, it can't be done. And that's true from an earthly perspective. It can't be done. He was focused on the calculations. He was focused on the process that he completely missed the opportunity to see God's hand at work. The power of Christ had escaped his thinking. Philip's rationality took precedent over his faith. And how often does that happen to us today too? We try to look at things rationally and figure things out rather than asking God to show us what he wants us to see and do. Andrew, on the other hand, as we read, brought this little boy with some bread and fish to Jesus. He says, hey, look what I found. This is what we have. Andrew wasn't sure how they were going to feed everyone with this bread and with this fish, but at least he had the faith to bring what he found to Jesus. And essentially he said, here's what we have, Lord. What's next? It's your turn. This is what we have. You do something with it. But Philip lost that opportunity to have his faith rewarded, to have his faith shown while the action of Philip was honored. Jesus taught in Matthew 17, verse 20, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Philip needed to learn that lesson. And that's one of the things that I think we need to learn today too. And I think after this, I think Philip did learn his lesson. I think his eyes truly were opened. And absolutely, there's a place for calculations. There's a place for for worldly, for earthly planning. You know, there's a place for that in our lives. But there's a bigger place for God. And we need to remember that God is there for us. Philip needed to learn that lesson. He needed to let his faith shine through his life. Everything that Jesus was doing just seemed impossible to Philip because he couldn't calculate it out. He couldn't rationalize it. But he needed to set aside those materialistic things, those practical things from a worldly standpoint, and those calculative ways that he lived under and learn to see the miraculous ways of God. 
how many of us need to see that same lesson today as well? We all face struggles in our life, that's for sure. Many people today are facing financial difficulties. Some brought on by their own actions, but others brought on by the actions of others. Some of us face health struggles today. Again, some of our health problems are brought on by our decisions, by our lifestyles that we've chosen to live. Other health troubles that we have, we have little to no control over. But whatever the aspect is, we think it just can't work out. We can't do it. The situation seems impossible to us. But that's because we are trying to look at it from a worldly perspective. And we often forget the power of Christ. Philippians 4.13 tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And as, as many of you know, my father, of course, has, has been going through cancer now. It's at least this past round has been uh, since last July when they first discovered it. Obviously, it would have been growing uh, before that a little bit, but it's been at least one year. And typically with the, this type of cancer, people do not survive very long. And uh, he's not only been surviving, but you know, he's still living a normal life and uh, you know, doing well. And his last appointment, his doctors were very impressed. He goes you know, to a handful of doctors, and they were all very impressed. And his one, uh, the one main cancer doctor, the oncologist, he said, you know, when I first saw this and we did the surgery on it, I didn't give you much hope to make it past a year. He said, but now looking at it, how the tumors have shrunk drastically. He says, you're going to do all right. It doesn't mean, you know, obviously we're not going to live forever here in this world. And it doesn't mean that it won't come back later on in life. But from the doctor's perspective, again, that doctor mindset is a calculative numbers and, and things like that. Didn't, didn't give him much good hope. But when you look to God as a faithful person, you can see it working in your life. Doesn't matter, doesn't always mean that things are going to work out the way you think they should. God has a plan for your life, for each of our lives. We may not understand the plan, and from a worldly perspective, it may not look like a good plan, but from God's perspective, it is His heavenly plan. So that's what we need to do, is to let the power of Christ Strengthen us this week. Ask Him for it. It's as simple as that. He freely gives us the blessings in our lives. He gives us gifts. Ask Him for His power to strengthen you this week. Tell Him you have no idea how you're going to get through this situation. From a worldly perspective, it cannot be done. I don't know how to get through this, Lord, but I know you do. So let him figure out this trouble that's surrounding you and let him be honored and glorified through you. Let him show you his power and you can live by faith and not by sight. Let us close with a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you this morning for your word to us. 
It seems as though we can only scratch the surface of, of many things, but we pray that you'll continue to teach us by your Spirit as we read your Word on our own this week. Seal these things in our hearts and teach us to obey. Help us to live by faith. Send us tests and trials in our lives and test us beyond our trust and then show us your power that our trust may move just that much further ahead, Lord, into, into your plan for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.